Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. everyone welcome back to across the romaverse it's episode 75 and we're recording uh the day after caliety uh fell at the olympico to roma one nothing roma back to winning ways after a couple uh gut-wrenching defeats i guess to put it lightly to ac milan and juventus uh, a little more upbeat tone here today for us uh i have jimmy and brandon with me this week i will put out there i didn't get to watch the match yesterday it was my wife's baby shower which was uh converted to a drive-by thanks to covid so i had no peace to watch the match yesterday caught bits and pieces uh but glad to see roma got a win uh how you guys doing today i can't complain roma won uh and i feel like that's got to be the main goal these days just making sure that they win as many games as possible i'm I'm looking forward to that lecce match too yeah i'm doing good too i don't really enjoy missing recording these episodes but um i i will take missing the loss loss recordings and then coming back on for the wins um <laughs> so glad to be back for that good timing on your part <laughs> so we uh solicited listener questions both on the message boards of cdt and on twitter today so thank you for all of you that got them and we got quite a few uh i broke the episode into a few different sections we'll start with the results on the pitch kind of stuff and throw it to the guys and we'll bounce around a little bit uh so the first one was from irish romanista he said it seems like teams can the team can rack up goals in wide open games like Atalanta or 70 minutes against Juve, but we can't break down blocks when other teams sit back. What's the missing ingredient? Is it mentality, tactics, or players? I'll take this one real quick because it's kind of something we've seen over and over. I think it, it really just comes down to teams frustrating Roma. It's hard to get you know a low block broken down. Roma's got a lot of players good on the counterattack, not great individually one-on-one. 
uh, which makes it a bit difficult. You know, if you saw, I only saw the highlights yesterday. If you saw Zaniolo had some chances, unlucky to have a, a penalty called back. Carboni made a, a last ditch tackle that did get a piece of the ball. You know, he shot one just wide. Roma had their chances. They have to be a little more clinical in front of goal, but you know, I, we've seen plenty of other big teams get frustrated by low blocks too and really have to to fight to, to break them down. I mean, heck, AC Milan lost 2-1 in the dying moments today at home to Spezia. Uh, so these small teams can find ways to, to nick results off the bigger teams. And I think for Roma, it's easier to play against a bigger side who allows them to play a little bit more on the counterattack. Um, so we'll move along to uh, one from Yorkata. He's on the CDT message boards quite frequently. And he said, this year's Roma has the most losses in 40 years and the fuse point in a decade to this point in the calendar. Yet most Romanisti are, agree that Marina deserves time. And he feels this is notable because if it was another manager, the Knives would already be out. What do you think it would take for Mourinho era Roma's first year to actually be a failure or for the fans to turn on him? Yeah. So, I mean, from my perspective, I don't know. I've, I've noticed that the Knives already seem to be kind of coming out. So maybe they're coming out slower than they would with a non-Mourinho coach. I'll grant that at the very least. Uh, what would it take for Mourinho's first year to be a failure? I think that not getting into any European competition would be a failure for me. Uh, I'm okay with the Europa League. I know that some people kind of poo-poo it, but to me, Roma has such a losing streak when it comes to silverware that a chance to win EL, we've shown that even in our kind of beleaguered state over the past couple of years that we can go deep into EL. So it would be cool to see Roma be able to win a trophy there. Uh, And just in terms of building up the ability to play multiple games a week, uh, and recruiting players, I think we need to have a European competition on the books. As for, you know, fans turning on him, I think that if he starts developing negative relationships with the wrong players, that could be a major factor here. Um, everyone who is still a major part of that kind of core 13 seems to like him a lot and trust him. But if that changes, if players like Lorenzo Pellegrini or Nicolo Zaniolo or Tammy Abraham start to resent him in some way, shape, or form, I could see that causing a lot of fans to turn on him as well. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, but right now the, the players seem to be on his side. And I don't know if you guys saw the comments yesterday after the match. He praised Max Kumbula, which is good to see. I think a lot of people thought Kumbula would be out the window even as early as now, this month, January. But it seems like those Mourinho mind games work with certain players, you know, be hard on certain players and they will respond the right way. Like a Kambula who was quickly reintegrated back into the team and is now drawing praise for a strong performance yesterday. Whereas maybe those weaker minded players like the VRs of the world are on their way out of the club. So uh, certainly something interesting to see. Certainly we'll keep an eye on here uh, with your question, because I think he's right in the sense that Mourinho is being certainly given a longer leash, but his reputation I think deserves it in many ways. So <clears throat> Talking about Mourinho now, uh, Brandon, he has some additional reinforcements in Maitland-Niles and Oliveira, and now the team is relatively healthy. What, if anything, can be done for this team to have a realistic chance at that fourth Champions League spot from AS Roma Fan 6 on Twitter? It's extremely reliant on our rivals dropping points. If you look at the table, you know, there's 16 games left in the season. If we won out in some alternate reality where we just go on an improbable run, we would finish with 83 points. And if you look at seasons past, um, to get into the Champions League, you need to be around the 72 to 77 point mark. So clearly we're not going to win every game from now until then, until the end of the season, which already makes it very difficult for us to uh, realistically hope to make the Champions League. So it's going to be dependent on us going on a run 
luckily we got two games out of the way against, you know, the big six, quote unquote, um, in Italy. So that leaves four more games against the big boys. And then this season, season previous um, under Fonseca, we saw that we we tend to take care of um, the smaller clubs. So in that sense, we're, we're primed to go on an extended run to seriously make a go for that fourth spot. But at the same time, it's pretty dependent on um, our rivals dropping points because, you know, uh, getting high 70s point totals at this stage in the season with the amount of losses we have, I don't really see it happening. Yeah, Roma's got to get real hot and they need definitely need some help. So uh, let's move on to some individual players because we had quite a few questions on some certain uh, players in particular, starting with Nicolo Zagnolo. Uh, I'll go back to you, Brandon, again. It said, this one comes from Nikuli on Twitter. He said, will we ever see better from Zaniolo? I get missing the odd chance, but I can't forgive the loose passes and lack of seriousness. It's not just him who lacks seriousness. Tammy, Elder, Vertu, Crisante, Carzorp at times, and Ibanez. It's like a comedy at times. So he's really going in there. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think, you know, you can you can uh, have your opinions on the player performances, and they themselves would say they haven't, you know, been firing all, all cylinders as of late, but to call them on seriousness, I think it takes it a little bit too far. Um, particularly players like Zaniolo and Abraham and Bertu. Um, because you know, to me, they always seem in particular Abraham, he always just seems to be giving his heart and soul for the club. Um, Zaniolo, too, to an extent, he he always puts his head down and is trying to make something happen, which you can't say the same thing for every player that's, you know, put on a Roma Jersey. So I, it's not entirely clicking for him yet, but we've talked about this at length where he's two years removed from, uh, or, you know, six months removed from back-to-back major surgeries. So I think we kind of have to give him a mulligan for the season, even if it doesn't click between now and the end of the season, really evaluate him next season. And for, but I still have the mindset that he he's going to make it happen at some point because yeah, you know, there's been some loose passes, some uh, poor decision-making on the shots, but at the same time, there's there's certainly flashes that he's right on the precipice of uh, really breaking out. So I think it's a matter of time from him. Um, and so, yeah, just I just got to give it time. It, it's going to come. He's a good player. We can all see, you know, based on the eye test. So I think it's just a matter of time for him. Yeah, and Jim, I'll throw a, a similar question from Wear Your Mask on Twitter at you. He said, why are we so impatient with Zaniolo and Eldor? Years of injury in Zaniolo's case and literally not even a full season equivalent appearance for Eldor in top leagues. Do people not understand that football also consists of late bloomers? Yeah, this is kind of more along the lines of where I lie on the Zaniolo debate. I think that he is coming off of two massive injuries and the fact that he's playing at the level that he's playing at is impressive enough as is. I'd also say that, you know, not to sound like a broken record on this, but apart from the goals, I've been pretty impressed with his performances as of late. And I think that a lot of people who've been watching might also agree with me on that. I, he hasn't obviously been able to contribute to too many goals, but he's been tracking back just as good as any winger I've seen in Roma, you know, in several years. And his ideas are obviously still there. He has the the brain of Zaniolo was half the reason why he was such an exciting player to watch before. And that's still obviously there. So I don't know why people are impatient beyond, you know, wanting him to turn into Kylian Mbappe like two months after recovering from an ACL tear. 
As for Eldor, yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to give him more time. I think it's a little harder to give him more time just because he's 26 and came in for around 18 million euros. At the same time, you know, I think we're probably stuck with him for a medium to long term sense. You know, I, I really doubt that we we bought him to just be like here for a season and then get sold for like half price, which is probably what he'd be sold for if he was sold today. So I have faith in him finding form and getting some goals in. I was really excited by what I saw from him over the first week or two of the season. And I think that that's, even if that's his peak and he can only do that like five or six times a season where he can just, you know, caught, make assists out of nowhere and things like that, that's still worth it for a backup striker, if you ask me. So, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about Eldor's long-term potential. Okay. Uh, one more question on Zaniola we had from Yorkada, uh, back from uh, the CDT message boards. Where do the podcast speakers send on Zaniolo? Is he progressing in an encouraging way, or are you guys on the sell Zaniolo train too? If you are, what numbers do you have in mind? If not, how long would you give him to show he can get back to where he was before moving on? Brandon pretty much threw his two cents in on, um, on any kind of like timetable. He would definitely give him the year. I agree. I think you have to give him at least this year as kind of that mulligan year. Uh, I would not consider selling him unless he asked to move specifically this summer before the end of next season. I, I don't think you can. Uh, and I know Jim is a big supporter of Zaniolo too. So I think we're all on board that we would not move on from Zaniolo until at least after the next season. You know, I think he's still got another three full years left on the contract. They're talking about renewal. I, I expect a renewal to be signed. So hopefully that is the case for Roma's long-term future, whether it be to cash in at some point or to make him a cornerstone if he, uh, if he decides to stay. So moving on to a couple other players, Eldor and Felix's names came up a bit um, yesterday. So starting with the youngster Felix, is he actually the real deal or do we need to hold off to avoid uh, overhyping him? This is your cut again. He was very active this week. So thanks for those questions. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I think that it depends on what we're calling the real deal. I think that he has the potential to be a Serie A or even, you know, Europa League Champions League level starting forward. I think that we've seen that, you know, his the fact that he scored a brace at how young of an age he is right now, you know, speaks volumes. And when you look at his play, even when he's not scoring goals, he's doing all the things that you expect a teenage forward to do if you want them to have that career path. However, I don't think that it's fair to expect him to be like a starting quality forward for a Champions League side just yet because you know he's still like what 18 19 um i i'm hoping that you know as el sharawi becomes available again as mkhitaryan get maybe get some rest uh with you know rotations happening that and maybe if eldor gets better form he can kind of slot into being a rotational forward more than the consistent starter that he's been right now because i don't think that being a consistent starter is what the team needs from him. I think that what he did when he scored that brace, which was coming in around the 70th or 80th minute and just, you know, lighting up the game on, on tired defenses, I think that's what he can do best right now. And if we ease him into a starting role, he could become something special. Yeah, agreed. We can't hype him up too soon. Uh, any young player, you, you risk overhyping, I think, at 18 years old. So, uh, Brandon, I, this uh, listener, this is Aristotle on Twitter. He said, I feel Eldor's running out of chances and Mao's grooming Nico for striker. That'll put him behind Tammy, Nico, and Felix. Is it time to maybe change or chance Eldor on the wings along with Perez, who seems to be falling into obscurity, to try to keep SCS and Mickey a bit fresher? And that's obviously if, if Mao sticks with the 4-2-3-1. 
I'm up for giving Eldor spots or uh, opportunities on the wing, but I think just generally I'm kind of over the Eldor experiment. I know Jimmy was just talking about wanting to give him some more time um, in the three things we noticed series that we have been putting out. We just um, dropped another iteration of that today where I talked a little bit about how that kind of over the Eldor experiment just because for you know around 20 million you want a little bit more or actually a lot of it a lot more than what you've been getting from Eldor up to this point I wasn't I'm, I'm with Bren um, who I know wasn't a big Eldor family was first brought in and I was on the same page as him I didn't really see the value in it and yesterday I think when I was most frustrated watching the game um, was when Eldor was on the pitch because there was a few opportunities, especially in contrast of how Sergio Oliveira played because I thought he was phenomenal. Um, and when that's juxtaposed against Eldor's, you know, misplaced pass here or um, poor shot selection there, things like that, that really highlights just, you know, how much wasted value in that 20 million um, there is. I remember specifically at a point in the game where Sergio had a great cross to Eldor and, uh, you know, a little bit more clinical of a player would have had a decent uh, opportunity on goal and Eldor just kind of completely fluffed it. And I just threw my hands in there because, you know, uh, one nothing game, you, you kind of need to take your chances when they come, um, especially to a team like Calgary. So I think, you know, in that sense, I agree that Eltor is probably running out of chances. Um, I'm sure M Mourinho is not particularly pleased at the performances of late, but, you know, maybe injecting him on the wings, you know, gives him, gives him a different perspective on, onto the match and how he can, uh, you know, make his imprint. So I think in that sense, I'm cool with having him on the wing from time to time, but I think generally I'm kind of over the experiment. Yeah, Eldor was a bit of a head-scratcher when he was signed, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting to fall down the ranks of it with Felix stepping up. Um, and we had one from Yasser Elshimi on Twitter. He's asked a few questions over the weeks, and he asked specifically how are Felix and Eldor an improvement on Chengi Zunder? Just watched highlights from Marseille games to see how well he's playing at left, uh, left forward. Could have done wonders with Marino. Really bad business from Pinto. I'll take this one. I, I you know... I know Under had flashes of brilliance for Roma from time to time. He would unfurl that left-footed, you know, shot and, and score some nice goals. But he was a frustrating player, in my opinion. He was not a hustler. He didn't really work hard on defense. I thought Cloyvert was a harder worker. I thought Cloyvert maybe would have been more of the, the, the player to maybe catch Mal's eye because he at least worked hard. Um, and I'm looking at his numbers. Yes, he does have six goals for Marseille this year and 13 starts. Um, but if you look at his numbers uh yeah, and you compare it to eldor and even felix in goals per minute goals plus assists eldor in four league starts 558 minutes two goals three assists so on average that's a uh, 0.46 goals plus assists for uh changi's 0.81 for uh eldor so even as frustrating as eldor's been to all of us uh, especially brandon and i changi's numbers when you break them down over 90 minutes not really much you know not the greatest i would say I, I don't think he's a Mourinho type player. Shot creating actions, uh, you know, favors Under a bit, four point two one to two point nine. But goal creating actions favors Eldor quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it. It. I don't know. It's. It's hard to say how certain players translate. But I think. I just think the the lack of hustle we saw from Under under 
less demanding managers would have really done him in under Mourinho. And that's why he didn't even get a look here. Um, that, that's just my opinion. So moving on to another player, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, certainly an influ- influential player. He was missed yesterday after he had to pull out uh, in warmups with a, a nagging injury uh, rumored to be out at least through the end of January, which is the next couple matches. And then there's an international break for South America and some of the other qualifiers. So only going to miss probably the Copa and the Ampoli match, hopefully. But a couple questions on him. This the first one is from Gary Baldino on CDT Jim. Should we be worried about Pellegrini and his role in the team? He's so essential, but he's frequently injured. Some of the local press having been going really hard on him. One of the hosts on Red A Sport was calling him physically and mentally fragile after the Juve penalty rebound and the latest injury. Or do you think Oliveira will be enough? I don't know how you can criticize Pellegrini for his Juventus injury, considering like last time I checked, Chiellini just like exploded his face somehow in that match like he's well, still i think the it. uh i think the uve criticism was for the missed penalty and then missing the rebound oh okay well that okay that well i didn't know the latest injury was what i was referring to. i, I guess that's the pre-match there. injury yeah oh okay so the one okay well that makes a little more sense because i was like how can you blame him for that um but no uh i think that the local media needs to take a seat to put it frankly like i'm Really tired of sports media in general, except for Kizari Toti. We're great. <laughs> um, I, but I, I do think that they get a lot out of engagement and they do things that drive players out of town when they say, when they act, try, they try to be controversial for clicks. And blasting Lorenzo Pellegrini, of all people, from during this season is just trying to get engagement. It's not it's almost worth not worrying about just because he has been head and shoulders the best player in for Roma this season I don't I don't you guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong but I think that he's the best player Roma's had this season and I would I would just add that you know it's not great that he's been injured but at the same time I think that Oliveira will do a good job of playing a similar role right now I do think that it's way more likely that Oliveira is a long-term replacement for Vertu than a kind of super sub version of Pellegrini, but we'll see. Obviously I, I don't think we should be worried about Pellegrini's role in the team. I think he's a great player. I think that he lifts the team up and yeah, I mean, injuries are always going to be a concern for any player. So I, I I'm not, he's hasn't shown himself to be injury prone enough for me to be worried that we're building around him. Yeah, and Brandon, similar question from Aristotle. He said, when without Lorenzo, we clearly miss a chunk of creativity and the Roma team is just not the same. His niggles and injuries don't help him or the club either. Is this being seen as a pressing need for the next transfer window and who'd be a good affordable backup for him? Well, I think this club will always take another creative player on its hands if the opportunity presents itself. But I think having said that, uh, <laughs> if we if we get a player with the, the creative capabilities to you know fill in for Pellegrini, I, think he might be a starter because sometimes this team is in desperate need of um, more creativity and sometimes Pellegrini alone is not enough so I think if you were to bring in a player um, you know for the creativity it'd probably be in a starting capacity but and I think we have in-house options to to um, replace him obviously it's not especially in the context of him being our best player this season it's not a like for like change when he comes in but I think you can always plug Zaniolo in to Pellegrini's position or Mkhitaryan or, you know, um, Veritude in the pinch probably. So I think 
our in-house options probably make um, a, pers a perspective transfer for a backup not not necessarily on the top of the to-do list, but I think of a creative player um, is open to joining. I think Roma would be wise to look into it. Yeah, and I, I follow a, an account on Twitter. Um, the name escapes me right now. Hold on, Roma Antics. And he is a big Pellegrini <clears throat> supporter. And he brought up a comment Mal made early in the season when he said he'd love to have three Pellegrinis in the midfield. And he said, Oliveira is almost like the second Pellegrini that this team has now. He plays a very similar role where he can do the similar things to Pellegrini. So I think with Oliveira there, <clears throat> I think he, he is the cover for Pellegrini uh, moving forward. I don't think there's going to be a, another one coming in at this point, at least maybe the summer we'll see. So moving on to the, the newest players, speaking of coming in, we had uh, Sergio Oliveira had his impact yesterday, scored the penalty kick goal. It was interesting to see him get the nod ahead of players like Vertu and Sammy Abraham. Nailed it, so it worked out well. And then Maitland Niles, who made his debut last week. Uh, small sample size, but what are your initial thoughts about Niles and Oliveira? And what would you like to see this team still accomplish before the January window closes? That's from Forza Florenzi on the CDT message boards, Brandon. I'm almost ready to say that Oliveira is our best player. I'm almost ready to say it. I think give it a few more matches and I'll be fully on board. Um, I'm known to be pretty uh, sensationalist. So, um, you know, a few more matches, I might even be thinking about buying his jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I mentioned it previously. I think he had a great debut. Marking it with a goal is always a great way to do it. But I just, um, and going back to that three things piece I referenced earlier, I talked a little bit there about how it's been a little bit since I've seen a Roma player so cool and calm on the ball to where you didn't really worry about, um, you know, them losing possession when they were under pressure, things like that. And I think it's a huge relief to have a player like that finally on the team again. Um, you know, a lot of the players on in the midfield in particular always seem pretty panicked when, when they get pressured. So it's nice to have a little change of pace in that regard. Admittedly, I missed a UA game, so I didn't see um, Ainsley Maitland Niles' debut. But yesterday, I thought he put in a solid shift. It wasn't really anything that wowed me, but I think, you know, as a rotational piece to reprieve Carsdor from time to time, I thought, you know, a solid pickup for sure. In terms of the rest of the window, I think, um, I don't know. Mourinho's talked about how he's kind of already got the players that he requested for this window and anything else would be a bonus. So I, I'm in I'm a similar mindset of that. I don't, I'm not really hoping for Pinto to do anything in particular, maybe move some more deadwood. I think that would probably be the number one objective for the rest of the window in terms of, but in terms of bringing players in, I'm happy with what we got. I think, you know, unless it's a surprise depth piece in the midfield or something like that, um, depending on departures, that's probably something else I would like to see. But aside from that, I think that getting rid of the deadwoods the way to go. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I, from what I read, Oliveira was great yesterday. You're gushing about him. Happy to hear it. Uh, so Jim Oliveira played on the left side in his first match. This used to be Vertu's position and he had to move to the right, which is usually occupied by Cristante when they play that double pivot, assuming all three are fit, who's playing and where, or are we going to frequently see Oliveira Pellegrini pairing as we were supposed to get against Cagliari? My guess is that we'll just see a lot more rotation than we usually do, which quite frankly, we need if we're going to try to go deep into the Copa, uh, the Europa Conference League, and, you know, actually try to be half decent in Serie A. Um, I don't think it's going to be too much of a concern. 
I would say that I'm intrigued by the possibility of both an Oliveira Cristante double pivot and an Oliveira Pellegrini kind of pairing more so than I am the Oliveira Vertu pairing because I think that not to I mean people people who've been listening to the podcast know that I'm not exactly high on Vertu these days uh so I'm hoping that he's in a way a longer term replacement for Vertu and given that I don't really see a need to have both of them in the midfield together most of the time I'd much rather have Olivera Pellegrini with Pellegrini being kind of free to play a much more creative role uh, and Olivera playing more defensively, which the stats from Porto show he can do. Uh, or, you know, uh, playing playing with Cristante and seeing if that works a bit better than the Veritu Cristante double, double pivot has in recent seasons. Okay. And that was from uh, Khan Hanan. So sorry I didn't th- throw out your name for asking the question. So let's move along to the Mercato kind of looking ahead type questions here. Uh, we have a couple as we wrap up the episode. So, uh, Kauspa, uh, Harry Haran, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced your name from CDT. I know you're always on the message boards with us, so sorry if I did mispronounce it. But he said, I'd like to know, should Roma still go for a DM considering we have Nilo now? And what permutations can Mao do to his team now that Pellegrini's out till February? Uh, I'll take this one quick. I don't think a DM's coming this window. I think in the summer, Roma will certainly pursue a DM because if you can get a DM in there, a true DM with players like, uh, Pellegrini, Oliveira, if he sticks around next year, uh, Cristante, Mkhitaryan, whoever they bring back, I think it would certainly open up a lot of options for Mourinho to really play the 4-2-3-1 like he'd like to. Um, with Pellegrini out, it's only so far considered to be for Lecce, which he could have been rotated out anyway, and Empoli, which they can get by without him. I think you probably see some combination of, you know, Vertu, Cristante, Mkhitaryan, and Oliveira, three of those four in the midfield, uh, maybe Mkhitaryan plays the more advanced role with uh, Oliveira and maybe Cristante in the defensive mid. And I think they can make that work against Empoli and then move forward. And when some of the bigger teams come up, you know, Matt will hopefully have his full array of, of pieces. Um, we had another one from Duke Silver Saxophone on the CDT message boards. He said, in the past, we used to criticize the club for not hanging on to its stars and providing continuity in the locker room. After three years of mostly the same main core, who, in your opinion, honestly deserves to be at the club after the season, including backroom staff like Pinto and Mourinho for funsies? I've personally maintained for a while now that the people who shouldn't be here far outweigh the people who should. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Uh, Thanks for listening, Duke. I would say, you know, players that I think personally still have to be here, Pellegrini, uh, Abraham, Mancini, I love. Um, You know, I think Zaniolo still needs to be here. I think Cristante is a useful piece. I don't think he has to be an every game starter, but I think he's a useful piece on the club. You know, I think Ibanez, if you don't get a mega offer, I think you keep him around. I, you know, players like that. In terms of players who need to go, I, I would sell, Jimmy and I talked about it last week, Vertu would be on my short list if they can get the right offer. He's kind of getting over his peak. Mkhitaryan, if he, he has to be on the right deal and maybe as more of a rotation player, I, I would keep him around on, but not as a, full-time starter because we can see what he does when he's rested like yesterday um you know Eldor gonna be hard to move him I wouldn't be sad if they moved on from him Dior's gotta go um players like that you know we'll see they already moved on from VR Meyer all players that probably would have been on the short list so um I think Karsdorp's gotta stay I almost forgot about him I think he's had a very good season um so you know i'd love for you to weigh in on the message boards uh once this is released and let us know who you want to see stay and who you like to see go um anybody any names you guys want to throw out there real quick before i move to the next one i mean i'll just add that the two guys that we've brought in on loan so far 
Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Oliveira have impressed me. So they don't, I mean, it's only been, you know, a couple of matches for one and one match for the other, but I've, I've liked what I've seen enough that I would be happy if Pinto pushed to either exercise the option that I know he has for Oliveira at the end of the season or, um, you know, negotiates with Arsenal, which, you know, it's not like we have a great history of negotiating with them, but if we can get Maitland Niles for a decent amount of money, uh, I would say go for it because we do need that depth. Mourinho is 100% right that compared, not only are we far younger than every other big six club right now, we're, we also just have way less depth than any other big six, six club. Yeah, I think the Oliveira option to buy if he continues to play like he played after only one match so far, but knowing the, the skill set he has and how excited Mourinho was to have him here for a player, I think it was like 15 or 16 million euros. At 29 is not an exorbitant price at all, and he can certainly add some quality to this team. Um, any names you want to throw out to stay or go, Brandon, or should I move on to the next one? You pretty much covered it. I probably would um, swap Cristante and Veritu in terms of who to keep, who to sell, but aside from that, I agree with everything that you that you put out. All right, so we have a couple questions left. Um, Kuplowski CZ from the CDT message boards asked, can the GM thing work or do we need a DS to assemble the squad the way Walter and Petrarchy did? And if Pinto were to leave, where would be, or I'm sorry, what would be the next step, different system or just hiring a different guy, Jim? Well, I guess the first question is, what squad did Petrarchy assemble exactly? Um, I, I'm, I'm not exactly convinced that he did that great of a job and you know, if we're just looking at the history of our DSs versus our GMs, I'd say I'd give Pinto like a B, B plus so far with how he's been doing roster construction. And I'd give, you know, at least two of our three most recent DSs like a F. I would give Petraki and Monchi both like an F for how poorly they took the job. So I, I, I don't really know how much of a difference there is between being a GM versus being a DS. Um, my understanding is that maybe Pinto relies a little bit more on his scouting team, like his chief scout that he brought in uh, from Leicester City uh, to make long-term decisions. I'm okay with that. I don't personally think that you need to have like one genius running everything. I think that it's like a team, a team of people working together often works a lot better. Uh, so I don't think that we need, I don't think the GM thing is an issue. I don't really also know how much of a difference it is from the DS and next steps, uh, well, I mean, I don't see why Pinto would leave, uh, but I would imagine that the Freakins would probably want to hire someone similar to him, uh, someone with a good amount of experience in football, but still relatively young. That does seem to be their target for who they hire outside of the head coach. Uh, I don't, and again, I don't know enough about the difference between the GM system and the DS system to say like, oh, we need to switch things up if Pinto leaves. Yeah, I think it might be just similar to the fact that general manager is like the American term for a similar role to the DS in terms of team construction. Um, Brandon, imagine you get the chance to be Pinto for 24 hours. Luke GP from the CDT message boards wants to know what changes are you making to Roma that you don't think he would? All right, well, just to quickly put a cap on the last question, I'm sure if you asked Petrocki, he, he would tell you he assembled the Avengers for Roma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's constantly patting himself on the back for the job that he did, but if I get to be Pinto for 24 hours, well, there's not really much I could actually get accomplished in 24 hours. It seems like all these negotiations and whatnot are always very protracted. So I probably wouldn't get any actual work done. But what I would try to do is give the freakins a call and try and kick the tires on a bit of one of these um, upcoming free transfers we got going on this summer. 
not going to be asking for Mbappe because, uh, you know, that's that's a little bit out of our price range. But uh, giving Dybala a call, see what he's up to, kicking the tires on uh, Rudiger again, seeing um, if he misses Rome at all. I think that would probably be something I would try to lay the groundwork for in those 20, the short, short, short 24 hours as the Pinto. All right. So I'm going to throw one last question. We'll all take a shot at it. we got about five minutes left. We have to wrap up. So uh, Forza Ferenzi throws a fun one at us. Early prediction on the starting lineup going into next season. Uh, I'll go first. I think Rui's still in goal. I'm going to say Spinazzola, Ibanez, Mancini, and Carzorp across the back line. Uh, yet to be signed defensive midfielder paired with Oliveira in the double pivot. Uh, Pellegrini sitting behind Abraham at striker. And then I think you have Zaniolo on the right wing. And I think uh, if they do go back to a 4-2-3-1, maybe left wing is where we see another investment. If not, then I think it's possibly Mkhitaryan, possibly Felix or El Shirari. What do you guys think? I'll go first, I guess. Uh, I agree that the defense is probably going to stay pretty similar. Uh, Patricio, uh, Karsdorp, Mancini, Ibanez, and Vina. The only potential I see for that being changed is if Ibanez is sold. But I also think that there is a decent amount. There, there are a lot of really high potential center backs that we could just replace Ibanez with. So I'm not too worried about that. As for midfield, uh, I think Vertu is going to be sold. I My money is on Ryan Gravenberch being next summer's big money transfer in um, from Ajax uh, as kind of the long-term replacement, putting Oliveira more as a rotational player. Uh, keeping Cristante in the starting 11 because every manager loves him and starts him pretty much. Um, and then I would say behind Tammy Abraham, uh, Zaniola on the right wing, Pellegrini behind Abraham directly and let's just put Felix in the left wing because I mean I'm enough on the hype train for him that I do think that he could be an out and out starter in the long term I uh, I guess I'll be kind of boring on this one I'd say Abraham up top Zaniolo on the right um, Pellegrini in the middle and Felix on the left probably uh, I don't know I have a a hunch that we're going to have a frustrating summer trying to get this DM so I think it's going to be Veritu and Cristante again (laughs) in the middle um and then you know i agree with you guys i think the the back line is going to be spinatola abanez mancini and um Karsdorp with patricio behind them so pretty boring um 11 for me but i think it's uh hinges on having a frustrated frustrating summer in the mercado this year yeah, uh, we'll see. The DM is, it seems to be a tricky uh, situation for Roma. So hopefully they'll be able to bring one in. Uh, so that wraps up our listener questions. We thank you guys for getting them in there. I mean, you gave us a lot to talk about. We, we, we hopefully answered everything. Definitely weigh in on the message boards on Twitter, um, you know, and let us know what you think. And then uh, a busy week for Roma. They have Lecce in the Coppa Italia, I believe on Wednesday, if I'm right. Uh, is it Wednesday, guys? Yeah, Wednesday. And then Sunday is Empoli. Um, I know I have an Empoli Q&A coming out with uh, an Empoli account, something we don't always get all the time, so get some perspective on that club. Uh, Brandon just released his three things he noticed from the match yesterday. Um, And you can look for all of our regular coverage, Jimmy with his previews and uh, all of our other match day coverage coming out. So guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap? I'm excited to to let the listeners know next week that I've purchased an Oliveira jersey after he crushes the next two games. Um, so get ready for that, guys. <laughs> Jim's good. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week on Across the Room Verse.